We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. We learned this firsthand. An Emprise Bank debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through AllPoint ATM Network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country, including Vegas, while getting the value of working with a trusted partner like Emprise Bank, our partner in Possible. Been an absolute pleasure uh, working with them. And it's been an absolute pr- pleasure working with my dear pals. Uh, it's it's weird, guys. This feels different. It feels like we haven't sat down to do this show live from our homes in like a month because our week in Vegas feels like you know three weeks. A lot happened <laughs> while we were there. Chiefs lost, unfortunately. We turned the page. We started focusing on the draft. There's a lot to discuss. Uh, some news that came out today. But Maddie, find him on Twitter at Maddie under KCSN. How does it feel to be home? Well, so here's the here's the thing, Kent. Craig and I did this just last night for 21 questions. So, like, you know, we're back in the flow right now. We've already hit our first preseason game. We're ready to put our starters out there for three quarters <laughs> right now. Like, we're good to go. Uh, no. This has been just a really weird week of, like, having this podcast and covering the Chiefs because – everyone's expectations were to get the Super Bowl. And then when that didn't happen, we were happened to be in Las Vegas covering the Shrine game. I think no fan really wanted to talk about the Chiefs because they just lost. Like, nobody wanted to deal with that. So it's just been an odd week to be in the Chiefs, like, media space right now. And now we're a week past it. It's kind of time to not just say we're turning the page, but actually start doing that. We have some actual news that's come out the past couple of days that we can talk about. It's like it does seem like we're finally moving forward a little bit. But um, Craig, let, no, Craig, do you get people to know this? Craig sat down to eat dinner right before we got on here, so Craig's going to be eating and podcasting at the same time. That's all you need to know about how great. No, no, no. See, we got people turning it off already that are going. Nah, nobody wants to hear somebody chew on a podcast. I mean, so if it's I, you, I mean, I know definitely no. No, this is, uh, yeah, we're going to move on. Uh, unfortunately, I, I don't get to get all my Pro Bowl takes out there. Man, I got lots of them too. Just so many. I don't have any Pro Bowl takes. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's time to move on. It's a weird position. And we spent the last you know, three years, basically, talking about this team in this light. Four, and we could talk about it from four years. Like, there was a lot of conversations about the defense, 
and changes and things like that and how they were going to go forward after they got so close. This feels like more of a letdown than that did. So it, it's just brought a little different tone to all of the conversations. And then you lump on top of that the news that kind of comes out today after Eric Bieniemy interviews for eight hours with the New Orleans Saints. They decide to go with Dennis Allen as their head coach. It It's just been a very odd week for all of this. Yeah, very weird week. Uh, mostly, I, I think I've been ready to turn the page. Um, so it's going to be, you know, there's a lot we're going to talk about today. I, I feel ready to kind of move on a little bit, honestly. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Eric Bieniemy if they move on uh with or without him I'm, I'm fascinating to see there's a lot to uncover with eric b enemy he has interviewed for 14 jobs uh I, I believe per our dear pal uh nick jacobs 14 and he went 0 for 14. uh he is shut out again the new orleans saints met with him for eight hours nothing came of it they decided to stay in house with dennis allen so um, it's pretty disappointing, obviously, for Eric Bieniemy, a guy who is, by all indications, beloved within the Kansas City, um, you know, locker room within this organization. Uh, yet again, though, he is on the outside looking in, Maddie. Yeah, and I mean, out of those fourteen teams, I'm not sure that he's been much of like a finalist for more than a couple. Like this, this Saints one, just by you know the known rumors and the things you're hearing behind the scenes, seem to be about as close as he's gotten. Maybe you could lump in the Minnesota Vikings job this year because there was some connections there, but that's kind of the most confident that I've gotten like a feel from that he was going to get a job with those two jobs this year. Both of them kind of fell through. The Vikings one fell through. It seemed pretty quietly. The Saints one's been pretty loud because it's the last one. Everybody was focused on it eight-hour interview going late into the night. It seems like he was in a good position to maybe make a run at it. Ultimately, they go with Dennis Allen, who I think is a deserving candidate, especially for them. Like, I do, I want to say, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, Eric Bieniemy and how maybe this hasn't, he hasn't gotten the fair shake or what we think he deserves. I do want to start off with, I do think Dennis Allen as the Saints head coach is a good hire, something that was well-deserved. So, like, don't take anything away from him getting hired. It's just, this was about as close as I think EB's gotten. And it still ended up falling short. If you listen to some of the reports about what they were looking for, it doesn't even seem like he could have been that close based on things they were valuing, though, Craig. Yeah, that's the part that I'm pissed off about. Like, I mean, seriously, like you're gonna you're gonna sit here and talk about how, oh, these are the criteria, you know, having the Saints culture and you know having this winning, you know, atmosphere and everything like that. It's like and coach man, experience. It, that's and head coaching experience and stuff like that. That's stuff you made up on the fly because you wanted to hire Dennis Allen. You wanted to hire him from the get go, and you went through this entire process. You had a whole bunch of interviews, and that's not to say that they were necessarily sham interviews or anything like that. And you know, that's a completely different discussion that we're going to get into with Brian Flores at some point. Not us specifically, but like the league in general. I mean, like they weren't necessarily sham interviews because it's eight hours. Like surely they're not just sitting there putting up a, you know, putting up a face or anything like that. But to come out after the fact and basically say, yeah, none of these guys that we interviewed other than Dennis Allen fit the criteria that we were going to go by. It, it's so 
dumb. It's a waste of everybody's time. It, it It's clearly something they came up with to just try and pass it off to the fans, pass it off to somebody who's like, yeah, we really tried, but he fit these criteria. Maddie, semi-breaking it, news. No, no, I got yeah. semi-breaking news from Jeremy Fowler. Dennis Allen had significant support in the Saints building for the head coaching job over the last few days. He began to solidify a staff in preparation for it, and then they finally made it official tonight. So he has already been working on a staff for him to be named the head coach. Now, I'm not saying that means that if Eric Bieniemy came well, in and absolutely blew their socks off, he couldn't have got the job. But, but to be fair, these guys have staffs. Like one of the questions yeah. that you have to answer as a, a head coaching interviewee is who would you bring with you? What kind of staff and everything like that? I do get that. But if he's building it under the impression that he's got it, like, come on, what are we doing? Eight Some hours? of the players even tweeted out like, yeah, this was known. We knew this was coming. Like, it was Eight very clear Dennis Allen. Yeah, Dennis well, Allen was getting the here, job. Listen, I the the point of the Rooney rule, one of the points of the Rooney rule is good faith opportunities, interviews for qualified candidates. Mickey Loomis established from Jeff Duncan. Craig, you retweeted it with a Triple H gif. Uh Saints GM Mickey Loomis established two criteria in his coaching search. Familiarity with the Saints culture and head coaching experience. Dennis Allen was the only candidate among the six interviewees for the job who met both criteria. So you set two criteria. You set two criteria and all but one of your candidates actually fits the criteria. What about that screams good faith? It doesn't. Honestly. It doesn't. And I mean, it just, it's, I mean yeah, I mean, it doesn't. With, with all the stuff we've but heard here's this the funny week. part. I mean, Eric Bieniemy wasn't a Rooney Rule interview. They'd already fulfilled the criteria by the time that he interviewed on Sunday. They'd already fulfilled that criteria. So I don't with someone understand. else that also didn't fit the two criteria that they yeah. gave. Yeah, well, exactly. I well, just don't understand now, what the say purpose that. of it is. Two of their guys did fit one of the two criteria. You could argue Aaron Glenn coached there, played there. You can absolutely Fair. say he gets their culture. But not a head coach. No, he wasn't. No, he, he wasn't the head, head coach. coach. Nobody else has the head coach part. I fully, fully understand that. And then Eric Bieniemy, he lived in New Orleans until he was 10. I don't know if that counts is understanding the Saints culture, but you could mm-hmm. make a small leap of faith or jump there to say that it does, right? So I do think that I do think Aaron Glenn and Eric Bieniemy were real interviews. I do think that they were given, I don't even know if it was a completely fair shake because I think the job was going to be Dennis Allen's. I think they gave guys a chance to completely blow them away. And I don't think you can be mad about that. I understand the point of the Rooney rule. And it, this doesn't seem like a terrible version of that. This, We know who we want to hire, but we're going to give guys a chance for to make us change our minds. And nobody got there. Whether you want to say that's fair or not, that's, I mean, that's a different story. But I don't think they were just going through the motions, though. I don't get that feeling. I think what Mickey Loomis said was worded incredibly poorly. And if, <laughs> and if that's legitimately what he meant, they're like, okay, like, yeah, I mean, you know, do whatever you have to do with that. But I do think that Glenn and Bienemy got a chance to wow them. And they just did, fell short of the wowing to where they felt more comfortable keeping Dennis Allen in-house. You can say it's a bad process. You can't agree with it. That's fine. But I don't know if this was necessarily just a throwaway interview, such as some of the rumors we've heard about with Flores sure. and how the Denver Broncos treated him or some other teams. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say it's a throwaway. It's just I that messaging is just it doesn't hold water. You gave two criteria and five of the six candidates that you list only can fit one of them potentially. Like that that just doesn't that doesn't equate to me. I just I don't know. It just doesn't sit well. So 
Okay, let's talk about Eric Bieniemy's kind of outlook here. So let, let's look kind of look into the future. He has struck out. He's 0 for 14. Uh, according to like I think Nick Nick Jacobs, our dear pal, has has it at 14. He's 0 for 14 in four years. For him to elevate himself, something has to change about his resume. Unfortunately, it feels like if he's going to get an opportunity elsewhere. It feels like if he continues to be the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, he's going to continue to strike out the same way he has. So I guess I'm just curious from your guys' perspective. Do you think Eric Bieniemy's back? Do you think he goes to pursue uh, an opportunity elsewhere to try to change his resume? And what's in the best interest of Eric Bieniemy? So let, let's take it from Bieniemy's side first and do the Chiefs side second because there's some other Chiefs coaching stuff yeah. we can tie in. So from his side, I agree. I don't I don't think it's best for him to come back to Kansas City and just keep doing the same thing. Like we're bordering if his job if his goal is to be an NFL head coach, we are bordering on insanity. Because I mean, like he's at this point in time, it's just the same thing over and over again. I don't see it getting better from this point. He should, I think, look to go somewhere else to be an offensive coordinator or where he's going to call plays, get more say, or go be a head coach in college. Like I'm, I'm a little different, I think, than maybe you two. So I'm, I'm going to get this in here now. I don't know if I was a GM. I don't know if Eric Bieniemy is the type of coach that I would hire. I would hire somebody that I feel like brings something to the offense or defensive scheme that nobody else can. I think Eric Bieniemy is going to be a very good administrative coach. And I think that fits better at the college level. You can have success like that in the NFL. You can look at the Harbaugh's. That's kind of the route they've gone. Bill Belichick's trended that way. Like that's completely a viable option to be good. I just don't know if I would lean that way. I'd want somebody that I think has a little bit more say in the offensive or defensive scheme from what I've seen or heard from Eric Bien, do coach clinics or talk. I just don't know if that's where I feel like his strength is. So like I get why some teams might not like him as a head coach candidate or some GMs might not, but go to college, go be an administrative head coach in college, get some coordinators, be the best darn recruiter in your conference and win a bunch of games. Then you want to come back to the NFL after you've done that. Sure. Go ahead. You've proven yourself in that role. It's just right now, I think that's his path to success as a head coach, is as an administrative head coach, and he doesn't have the experience doing that. So, like, I do kind of understand why there would be some hesitation. So, I think that's his best route to get to a head coaching job in the NFL. I mean, in the NFL, is basically told you by the types of guys that they've hired in front of him. You know, they they're looking for these guys that call plays, do play designs, things like that, and you know, for. For everything that we say about what Andy Reid's tree is, there are going to be some natural comparisons to guys that have left before him, whether that's fair or not. If you look at Matt Nagy and the way his offense didn't really evolve outside of Andy Reid, he was kind of still running the Andy Reid playbook in Chicago four years later. It didn't really evolve or change. You may look at Eric Bieniemy and say, hey, listen, you also aren't calling the plays. You're more of an administrative guy. Maybe we are looking for somebody a little bit different. Now, there's all kinds of coaches that have been hired in this time period that were also terrible at as a defensive coordinator, or terrible as an offensive coordinator, or administrative guys that were also bad. So the, the argument, you know, is what it is. I I get it, kind of, but the the NFL has also looked the other way for a whole bunch of different guys. It's unfortunate that that it is stuck here as uh, the report from tom pelicero eric Bieniemy's out of contract he is out of contract in kansas city and who knows where that's gonna go after that like for from eric Bieniemy's point of view 
if your goal is to be an NFL head coach and you've had 14 interviews and for whatever reason, whether it is the way that you're interviewing, whether it is the resume that you've built behind Andy Reid, whether it's them comparing you to previous hires, it's not getting done. And it's not, you're not able to go across the finish line. So yes, staying in Kansas City isn't going to change it. So he does have to have a decision here. Does he stay with Andy? Does he want to stay in Kansas City, continue building this? You know, go the Dave Tobro for for what that for whatever that means. Dave Taub was getting interviews for a while and then they just dried up. He's staying in Kansas City because he wants to be the special teams coordinator here. He wants to stick with Andy. He likes winning. Maybe that's what Eric Bieniemy wants to do. Maybe he wants to be a head coach. And if he wants to be a head coach, I just don't. The NFL has told us now that being Andy Reid's offensive coordinator, if you're Eric Bieniemy, doesn't mean much. And they obviously want to see more. Now that he's out of contract, that is a very delicate balance and a very interesting situation that's going to develop over the next couple of weeks, probably. Well, David Coley left the Chiefs to diversify his portfolio as a coach with the ultimate goal of trying to become an NFL head coach. He received that opportunity. He was, I think, unfairly let go. I think he did a fantastic job. Oh, insanely I, unfairly. I, Look at well, that roster. It was, it was ridiculous. I think they did a great job. Uh, I think he did a great job of winning four games in, 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 in the situation in the hand he was dealt. And now his defensive coordinator is getting the job. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I mean, David Coley, he, he, he left KC to try to, you know, kind of show and, and, and spread his wings a little bit. I wonder if that's the route for Eric Bieniemy. Whether or not, I mean, look, Eric Bieniemy, like the Chiefs have done everything they've can to try to elevate his position, his profile as a, as a coach. They have bordered on the line of whether or not he calls players or not. He relays the plays in from Andy. That doesn't mean that he's not a valuable piece to the organization of this offense. He's the guy Absolutely. that's creating accountability. He is creating an organizational plan within that offense. That doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean he's without value. It's just he's not the true play caller. I mean, like I, I know we the Andy, Andy's never full out said that. <laughs> um, but you know, if he's gonna if he's gonna continue to elevate himself, he might need to go a place where he can call plays to flex to flex that way. He's got to find, he might have to find something to kind of mix some things up for him. And it's a shame because you talked about the offensive coordinators. The last two offensive coordinators for this football team have had coaching positions. Mm -hmm. and you, is there a spot out there that you guys like for Eric Bianami? <sighs> Off the top of the head, no. Hey, how and, about New Orleans? Maybe, maybe the last four hours of that interview were them interviewing him for their offensive coordinator position. Hell, who the hell knows? What no, about not off the top of my head? What about jumping to Jacksonville with Doug? I don't know if Doug's sure. going to give up play calling duties, but the NFL is a game about who you know. Doug and Bienemy obviously know each other. They would mesh well. That would give him a chance to, yeah, maybe you're still not going to have like the complete like uh, freedom to call the plays, but you would probably get more. Uh, like involved with that offense if it rebounds with Doug. I don't know, just that's just one option. Like that's the really one of the I only could, ones that's open. No, I could definitely see that. I could because sense. you turn that offense around, you're going to be a hot candidate. So yeah, that that's just the only one in the NFL that I see. Besides that, if you don't feel comfortable with him as a head coach, I don't know why you'd feel overly comfortable with him as an offensive coordinator. Like right. that's my thing. Is like I don't know 
where that difference is going to be. That's why I think it's I'm leaning towards the college level just for him to be a head coach there. I think he could get that maybe not this cycle, but next cycle. But if not, Doug Peterson, that job's still open as far as I know. Like that's the one that I see as maybe, you know, a possibility for him. Yeah, maybe. It's it's interesting. It's disappointing. I feel bad for EB. Um, I, and honestly, you know, like we, we can talk about the EB side of it a little bit more if we want, but I think there's probably time to move on and talk about kind of the chief side of it because, uh, Mike Kafka also out the door as well. Some believe that, you know, he was well on his way to becoming the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. He leaves to become the offensive coordinator with Brian Dable. Uh, another, I think it's a great hire. And I think that's a, that's a good fit for Mike Kafka too, to kind of get two perspectives from two guys that have built some high powered offenses in this league. Um, what are your overall thoughts on, on Kafka being on the way out here, Maddie? I don't like losing Mike Kafka. I think we've heard for years now, whether it started out behind the scenes, rumblings from within the team that they liked him. They tried to protect him. Then last year, last off season cycle, it became public knowledge that he was a guy that was rising, that the chiefs liked, the chiefs were keeping close. He was the next guy this year comes and goes. And all of a sudden out of kind of nowhere, he's pulled off by somebody else. And the rumors were that he was being protected by the chiefs. So to lose him, to go to, you know, Dable, who I don't know of him and Andy are like, I mean, I'm not saying they're not friends, but I don't know if that's a, it's not like he's, I don't know if he's doing Dable a favor by giving Mike Kafka a guy that's supposed to be a rising star within his tree on his team. if he's just sending him over there to do everybody a favor. So I don't, I don't know what to make of it. I will say, and we're going to get more to this in a second, but like, I will say, I don't dislike the concept of opening up coaching staff options for this team. If it's going to bring in new blood. I like Mike Kafka. I think he's imp- I think he's going in the right direction in this league. I think they've had a lot of the same voices for a lot of years now. If that means you have to move on from Mike Kafka to open up a door for somebody new that is not an Andy Reid guy to come in, I think that's a sacrifice I'm willing to take at this point in time. Brian Dable has said that he's not calling plays in, with the Giants. So Mike Kafka took a position where he's going to call plays. Um, that is worth noting with all this conversation about Eric B he saw that he needed to get out and do that himself. Now who knows what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not going to speculate or anything like that, but from the surface level, it looks like a guy who wasn't going to call plays, even if he was the offensive coordinator in Kansas city and pretty much guaranteed that he was going to get head coaching interviews as the offensive coordinator in Kansas city. Maybe he's reading the tea leaves. Maybe he's hearing what's going on. And he's saying, listen, I know I've got to strike out on my own. Brian Dable is a good coach. I know he's a good coach. I know I'm going to be able to trust him in New York. Daniel Jones is a quarterback. I, I believe <laughs> he's he's a quarterback. Yeah, he I qualifies. Mean, there, yeah. There's going to be some changes that, that are going to come within that offense, I'm certain. And he gets to be a part of building it. So he may be looking two years down the road and saying, hey, listen, I, I see how the coaching interviews are going. I see how the hires are going. I'm going to get out now. I'm going to take this opportunity to do it. Maybe he just had that conversation with Andy because Andy's not going to stop these guys from getting out. Like him protecting Mike Kafka, it was also with the promotion. And he gets to a certain point where it's just like, hey, listen, I'm going to keep promoting you until you're my offensive coordinator. And then we'll see where it goes from there. If Kafka says, hey, I'm, I want to go be an offensive coordinator now, Let's go. So I, I can see that being the case. But from the Chiefs' perspective, that creates a vacuum here, especially if Eric Bieniemy 
decides that he's going to go find something else because now the two biggest candidates that you had in house, the two guys that Andy Reid was kind of grooming to be the next head coaches, the next offensive coordinator, the the chain of command that Andy Reid is always so good at building up now has breaks in it. And there's a lot of questions about where that could go. We know he doesn't like to hire outside of his tree, but he may have to just because of the availability of some guys that are going to be, you know, coaching staff here in 2022. I'm really curious to see what Mike Kafka does with Mitchell Trubisky with the Giants next year. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Mike no, Kafka, I said a quarterback. A, Mike, a quarterback. I'd rather I, Mike Mike Jones or Mike Mike jo- uh, Daniel Jones or Mitchell Trubisky. Really quick, Maddie. Daniel Jones is not even Dan close. Jones. Okay, Dan Jones. I I, can, uh, I literally can just run a read option offense with him. He's somehow yeah. the most successful running quarterback in the NFL ever. Like, efficiency, yeah. That, real quick on Kafka, he's 35 years old in July. Um, I think that there was a chance because if you think about it, the one thing that we haven't talked a lot about with the with the Mike Kafka situation is he's been Patrick Mahomes' quarterback coach from Jump Street. Yep, he is the guy that when. You know, Mike Kafka was the guy working with Mahomes day in and day out while Matt Nagy, I believe, was was he the quarterback coach then uh, in 2017? Is that right? Does that check I out? I believe so. I'm sorry. Keep talking. <laughs> he wasn't officially. The, I don't think he was officially the quarterback coach until Mahomes first year in 2018. So uh, he was kind of working on the side with Mahomes that, that is correct. first year. And mm-hmm. yeah. And so it, that was like his guy. That was the that was the you know the guy that kind of carried him throughout. So I honestly, when I read between the tea leaves on that, I honestly thought that there was a chance that Mike Kafka was eventually going to be like the head coach in waiting for this organization because he's 35 years old. I thought that there was a chance that this was going to be a Mahomes Kafka battery five, six, seven, eight years down the road when Andy Reid finally retires. That's what I thought was going to happen, honestly. If I'm being if I'm being real. Um did. I think a lot of people did. And so yeah. You see him making a jump to an offensive coordinator position. You know, maybe there's this could be a good growing opportunity for Kafka if he's getting to call the plays. He's getting to kind of be influenced by Brian Dable in a different perspective. Uh, and maybe, maybe the, maybe the, um, you know, maybe the door isn't closed on on a Kafka Mahomes battery at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was disappointing, you know, because I, I kind of was hoping to see that. Honestly, I think they thought Eric Bieniemy would be getting a head coaching job by now. And I think that I think they thought the did. cycle was going to be continuing and. We could have seen the career arc and, and for, for Kafka and how it would have played out. Um, I think it would have been more difficult decisions coming up to the point of, all right, well, Andy, what you going to do long term? Kafka, you know, do you want to stay here in, in McDaniel's at Josh McDaniel's it for a few years? You know, I, I, I think that was in play. Now it's not for now. Uh, we'll kind of see where that goes. Anything on the offensive staff moving forward, Natty, that you kind of wanted to address? Oh. That- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A bunch. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I asked Craig this yesterday live on the podcast, and I've, I've done a little bit of research, not every single thing, but I'm going to ask you, Kent, who is the, like, since 2013, who is the non-Andy Reid coach that the Chiefs have brought in that's made it to any position of, like, any kind of prominence? Like, I don't mean, like, an assistant offensive line coach or, like, a special assistant to somebody. Who's the last coach outside of Andy Reid's tree that they've brought in? Or can you name one since Andy got here? Uh, no, you put me on a, in a terrible I know, spot. No, I did. I, I, scanned, <laughs> yesterday, I went and scanned through a couple because I did this yesterday to Craig on the podcast. I don't think it exists. Like, yeah, there's been guys that have brought in that haven't coached directly with Andy, but they've coached with somebody he knows or something like that. And they don't really have significant role. Like they're not like the top end assistants on this team. This has been the same general staff, same terminology coming from the same background, essentially the same style of offense for almost a day de- we're nearing a decade now like yeah it the offense has changed it's had ebbs and flows they've you know definitely made adjustments going from smith to mahomes and different things but it's a lot of the same and i think what you've really seen especially since 2018 once you lost peterson then lost Nagy and brad childress you got an offense that's kind of it's not like it's not trying to new stuff do new stuff but it's all the same stuff just rebranded I feel like this team needs something new. They need somebody else. Andy Reid's always been at the forefront of innovation, but I don't think that works when you're going on almost 10 years of having the same coaching staff, essentially, or guys from the same staff, when you're going on five, four straight years now of absolutely no new voices. Like, and I think that's a big thing that I don't, I don't, we don't know the complete inner workings, but I can look at Doug Peterson and how he carries himself and say, that guy probably challenged Andy <laughs> Reid a little bit. That guy's not just going to be a pushover. And I'm not saying anybody else's. I'm not saying Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka are pushovers, but there's just a difference in Doug Peterson. I do think he would provide a little bit more pushback to uh, Andy Reid. I know Brad Childress would if he disagreed. I'm not saying he wouldn't be railroad. Like I'm not saying Andy wouldn't still do what he wanted, but those guys would provide pushback to things Andy would want to do or try to do. I don't know if the Chiefs have that. They have all guys groomed by Andy Reid now. All guys from his tree, all guys groomed from, get a new voice. Get somebody else in here. You can't go this long with only having the singular style of voice, the singular same beliefs put into your offense. They need somebody new. Please bring in somebody new. You have two significant openings on this staff. Offensive coordinator, QB coach. I can almost guarantee you that Eric Bieniemy or Matt Nagy are back for one of those in some capacity. <laughs> one of those is being filled by those guys, but please don't fill both spots by retreads or guys from the same tree. Get new blood from any other system available in there, please. I think the team and Mahomes need it. They need new voices. 
I mean, and from our perspective, we we want new voices because it's a content machine, baby. We could spend all off season talking about what the new voices are going to bring. Just like I've spent almost a full year talking about the new voice that's coming to Kansas City and our good pals at Macadoodles. Macadoodles is coming to Lee's Summit, Missouri in summer of this year. It is going to be your favorite spot to get all of your liquor needs because they get the best prices, the best selection, and of course, you've heard me talk about it, the best customer service. They are the new voice that is in Kansas City, and you don't need to stop with one new voice. You need a plethora, a choir of new voices coming to Kansas City in your McAdoodles franchises. So if you're a franchisee, get all the Roger info at macadoodles.com and put more of these new voices in the liquor market in Kansas City right now. Just like the Kansas City Chiefs need to do that with their offensive coordinator because, my goodness. I mean, not not that the enemy is stagnant or anything like that, but, like, you, we've seen what's happened. We've seen – I talked about it a little bit yesterday. We've seen how they kind of get in a rut in the middle of games. Like, they don't make adjustments. They get a little bit more in a rut. I want somebody that's willing to challenge. I want somebody that's willing to bring a little different – energy to it i'm with maddie you know if you bring matt Nagy back or you bring eric the enemy back that's fine i'm fine with that but give me somebody that's maybe got a little bit more of an outsider's perspective from the andy reed tree to mix in there kind of i mean kind of like what steve spagnola has done with joe Cullen on the defensive side of the ball right now it would be nice to have just that another kind of person to offer a different perspective than we've seen in kansas city so far and like I think Andy Reid, like we, it's he's the you know he he does a good job of of watching and observing the landscape of football, and like he will adopt and integrate things and steal things. He has no problem doing that. But I think there's probably a little bit of a like I think Matt Canada with the with the shovel pass stuff, the shovel mm-hmm. pass game he stole from Pittsburgh, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably Pittsburgh a, Panthers, not Steelers, right? Not want to think the even though Matt Canada is. Is there now? No, we don't give Big Ben credit for anything. Um, I, I I just wonder if it's time for him if 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 he's seeing that he needs an additional voice input from an outsider. I I think there's some validity to that. I think this thing, but I think the it's gonna be fascinating. Like this is gonna be a very defining off season, I think, for the course of the Chiefs moving forward. Because if Andy does bring in some outside voices, if he's willing to bring in some different perspectives and some different angles than what he's accustomed to i think that tells you a lot you know if he's willing to just kind of like andy i think andy is a guy that very much regardless of maybe some of the perceptions he's a very he's a guy that's very much in control of a lot he's got a very very high level control of a lot of different things so if he is i don't want to say relinquishing but if he's allowing other areas to allowing uh, allowing himself to be to absorb other things and other perspectives a little differently than he has in the past to continue to adapt and grow. That could be very interesting for the outlook of this football team. Do you guys have any pipe dream QB coach, offensive coordinators on mind on hand, ready to go? No. I I mean, I said yesterday, do Staley just, I mean, he he's, he's probably getting that promotion to that position in Detroit, but Dan Campbell calls the plays there too. So I I can see Andy Reid, who has wanted to get Deuce before on his staff, really kind of making a sweetheart offer to make him an offensive coordinator. Well, and Deuce was on his staff 
so like that's not an entirely that's not an entire entire deviation away. Now it wasn't no. very long, but he was briefly right. on yeah. the staff. So like that's dealing, what that's what'll be interesting. You're dealing with like a tree that sprouted from a seed of the Andy Reid tree if it's you know due state. Like it's close to the same thing, but there could be enough outside. Oh, there's uh, so definitely they, enough outside influence for sure. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's just, it'd, it'd be interesting. We're late in the process, so it's hard to pull a lot of names without just looking at positional coaches. But like, I'm intrigued by Zach Robinson, Rams, you know, assistant quarterback and wide receiver coach the past couple of years. It'd be a yeah. really quick rise. Like you would have to start him as a quarterback's coach. I said, Brian Hartline. I said, I'd bury the ha- kid. I said, I'd bury the hatchet with Brian Hartline. <laughs> if the Chiefs were to bring him over, I would do it live on a podcast. I think, I think he's a rising you know, star. He's been great for Ohio state. Um, any co- hot name, you know, college offensive coordinator would be fun as a QB coach. The other guy that I just have a name out there is uh press Taylor who happens to be Zach Taylor's brother. He's been around the league. I think he's with the Indianapolis Colts right now. Just, I'm not even specifically saying offensive coordinator, just guys that I think would be interesting enough to bring, an outside perspective that have accomplished a little bit, you know, in their realms, like just new voices that I think have talent that can keep rising because they need something. We just got in the chat here. Deuce Staley, not promoted, just reported that they are promoting their tight ends coach, Ben Johnson. I, Deuce Staley read that ran, one. ran senior bowl practices for well, that, that team. So buddy, you want to make me real happy. Give me like uh, any of those guys I mentioned as a QB coach and give me Deuce Staley as an offensive coordinator. Cause I think he's got to go OC to get pride away. Cause he's like, he's got a title. I think it's the run game coordinator or something for the lines. Like he's running that coach. coach. Yeah. Assistant. And title. Coach. But you pry him away to be offensive coordinator. And then you bring in one of those names or any like other hot college coordinator coach in. I, I don't know. I'd be real happy. Then you could slap Matt Nagy in the chili roll spread game. Analyst, analyst or whatever. Spread game analyst. Yeah, so let's yeah, let's uh, we'll uh, have to monitor that. We monitor a lot of college football players uh, this week at college all star games. We've watched a lot of film from both the Shrine Bowl and and now got a little bit of a look at some of the Senior Bowl players as well. Um, And we're excited, you know. Like I think this has helped me turn the page. This has been a therapeutic week for me, kind of getting to watch more guys. I want to, I'm sorry, but if you're watching the, if you're watching the video, by the way, I'm sorry. I have like an allergy or something and my nose is like killing me. So if you see me, if you see me like, like scratching my nose, I'm sorry. I'm doing it profusely. This is making for great audio. I know. Um, anyways, though, I, I, I want to talk about some of the college prospects that we saw this week, but I, I want to kind of speak high level because we've got a lot of time. We got a lot of shows over the next four months to kind of go over this, but I want you after watching some of these college all-star games, I just want maybe some positions that you're most excited about. Some of the players in those positions, if you want, um, but some some position groups that have really stood out to you, kind of getting you know a perspective of some of these college all-star games. Maddie, give me one and give us one off the top. I, I just think the defensive line group as a whole, like trying to narrow it down, like with just the seniors, it's kind of limiting just because you are dealing with only seniors at these, you know, these all-star games. But the defensive line, I've watched enough of the senior bowl tape now. We were obviously at the Shrine Bowl. Like seeing all the defensive line talent at both of those places is it, just wild. Some of those guys that were at the Shrine, in most years, those are, half those guys would belong at the senior bowl. Like that's how good some of the guys were there. So much talent. You got edge rushers, you got power rushers, speed rushers. I mean, you got guys of all shapes and sizes. I can't remember a draft class that had such a deep roster of defensive linemen. And that's crazy because I think coming into the offseason process, the defensive defensive tackle class 
was kind of seen as weaker and one of the weakest spots going into it. But as you've kind of adjusted, you've seen some of the, you know, like Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia now got a chance to showcase his ability as an actual three tech. Travis Jones out of UConn is getting to go up against better competition. Marquand McCall, somehow nobody knows about him at Kentucky despite having a great defense, but then he shows out there. Matthew Butler, same thing with Tennessee. Like all these guys are coming out of the woodwork, whether they're changing position, showcasing it versus a different level of competition. Just the defensive line unit as a whole in this draft is going to be great. And that, you know, that settles well for the Chiefs who need like, eight defensive linemen to join Chris Jones on the roster next year. Yeah. I think the, the position that really showed out the most, which is typical for these all-star games was the wide receiver group. Mm -hmm. But I think you got to see it with a number of different guys. We got to see Kyle Phillips, UCLA kind of slot receiver really put on a show. We talked about him a lot while we were there in Vegas, but it's worth can keep talking about him because he was just that level of good. Uh, Christian Watkins, North Dakota State at the Senior Bowl, was an absolute monster. Showed up, played really strong, played really, you know, played like a big body dude, but he has the athleticism that's going, he's going to test out the building. So it, it, it's going to be another guy that's probably going to go higher than some people expect, but a guy that could translate quickly. It, this wide receiver class as a whole was good, and we knew it was good, but seeing some of the guys that have really risen over the past you know week or so listen we didn't even talk much about a guy charleston rambo or uh toure out of nebraska that we saw at the shrine game and both of those guys had really good weeks like they really raised their stock in those situations too so we talk about how top heavy the wide receiver group is how good the wide receiver group is there are going to be guys late day two early day three that are going to be contributors i know we Chiefs drafted Cornell Powell last year. I think this wide receiver group, top to bottom, is just better. It really is. There's a number of guys that can do a number of different things. That are <laughs> there's a ton of them this year. I mean, they kind of always like there might be a little bit more scheme specificity to the order which some of these guys go, because like I think there's probably a pocket where there's some good value there. I really like the tight end group uh, from what we've seen at this point. And I think there's a lot of different guys with a lot of different skill sets, different backgrounds. Uh, and actually, this is a perfect opportunity for us to introduce a new segment here on the KC Laboratory during draft season. I bet he sticks. Look, there are some draft prospects on day three of this draft that are going to play for a long time in the NFL. They're going to find a role. And I think a guy named Jelani Woods, tight end out of Virginia, is the exact kind of guy that you're going to see have a better NFL career than a college career, Maddie. I would agree with you. This guy's massive at six foot seven, 275 pounds playing tight end, but then you watch him move and he's not going to be the quickest or the shiftiest guy given the size, but you watch him run vertically down the seam. You watch him run some of these in-breaking, bending routes and he looks almost like a gazelle the way he moves at that size. And I'm not, like I said, it's not quick, but he just covers so much ground. And then you throw the football to him, Guy's got Velcro for hands, and unlike everybody else on the field, like he can legitimately stand and reach, you know, a basketball rim. So, like, he's already got this high advantage. If you're looking for a big tight end to be a threat in the red zone to run the seam and eat over the middle of the field, Jelani Woods is that guy that can I mean walk in on day one and do those things for you. And every NFL team wants and needs a guy just like that. And he's a quarterback transfer. He came to Oklahoma State as a quarterback, so he's still 
picking up the elements of the tight end position, but he's been really good while doing it. He obviously knows how to use that big frame really well. He can move really well, but you're seeing him develop a little bit as a blocker. You're seeing him get more comfortable in a three-point stance. Every time we watched him, we had shades of Donald Parham when we watched Donald Parham at the Senior Bowl a few years ago, current you know, Los Angeles Chargers tight end. Donald Parham didn't look quite as good in a three-point stance, getting out of a three-point stance as Jelani Woods does. And we've seen what Parham has been able to do in that offense. I think that Woods has a chance to really translate really well to an NFL offense and keep growing. I think, I think his ceiling is just sky high. You can't coach the size. You can't coach the frame. Jelani Woods, tight end of Virginia. I bet he sticks like I do. I love my sticks clubs. They have changed my game. They're like the perfect club for somebody that's looking to take the next step from, you know, maybe being an introductory kind of player to golf. And that's kind of what, it, what it's been like for me. I needed something, you know, to, to kind of, you know, tailor to where I'm at in my golf journey. I've been playing for the last couple of years. And I have, I'm on my second set of sticks. If you're looking for a set of golf clubs, the best value in golf is Sticks Golf Clubs. Promo code KCSN10. When you go to sticks.golf, purchase your next set of clubs. You're getting a discount from us with promo code KCSN10. Make sure you're checking them out. I promise you, you will not regret it. Okay, uh, real quick. Uh, any other positions that kind of stood out to you guys? Uh, during you know these these bowl games uh, that we really haven't touched on yet, or maybe you know let's do this. Let's just go with a player that you're excited about after you know kind of coming out of the Shrine Bowl. Oh man, I think we've touched on a lot of these guys so far. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody. Okay, Austin Deckless, offensive tackle from LSU. I think that he's hmm. seen like LSU had the super talented offensive line a couple years ago, and then all those guys have kind of cycled out. Coming into this year, that was big talk for anybody that follows college football. The LSU offensive line hadn't been great. That was one of their issues. Ed Ingram's an offensive guard for them that went to the senior bowl, I think was picking up some hype. But I saw Deculus out at the Shrine Bowl. I don't think any offensive lineman was better. Like, I think he won just about every repy down there. And the defensive end group wasn't as talented out there as it was as the defensive tackle group. But he still you know, was challenged and he moves really well. You can see he's really good at working on his technique. You stand around and just kind of watch after practice or something down there because you get to be on the field. He's going up and talking to everybody. He's introducing himself to various coaches, to anybody in the media. He's just having a good time with the process. You can tell he's working and trying to get better. He did tell me that after the combine, he's going to go work with Duke, Duke Manyweather. So like that's if you want an offensive lineman, that's where you want him to go. So him going to do that's already great. He's a guy that I just would keep an eye on for, you know, maybe he told me he's going to test really well. So if he does that, he's a guy I could see climbing up, you know, the draft rankings as you get close. People hear who he's working with and see his workouts. I wouldn't be surprised if wherever you see him mocked now, it's two rounds too early based on all that information. <laughs> My guy that I was kind of impressed by was a little bit of a late ad to the Shrine game as uh, D'Anthony Bell, safety out yeah. of West Florida, 6'2". 205, and I think he caught our eye a lot when he was moving downhill. He's got burst, those first couple steps. He covers a lot of ground. He fills the run really well. He does still have some work that he's going to do, you know, in coverage. He's he's coming from West Florida. He actually started at Albany State, went to Iowa Central Community College, went to Butler Community College. So Stories about been, Butler, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he... 
he has he has kind of this this past of kind of coming up through a bunch of different avenues here and he ends up at West Florida and he actually looks pretty good. He was at I believe the NFLPA bowl left from the NFLPA bowl right after it finished. Got on a plane that night, flew to the Shrine game, showed up, competed, looked like one of the better safeties there. He really did. So I I was excited to see more of him. I was excited to get to watch him there at the Shrine game. He, he was pretty darn good. He's going to be a late round guy. I I think he's a steal, man. I, I think there's I think there's some meat on that bone. All right, so the offensive MVP of the Shrine Bowl was EJ Perry, the quarterback out of Brown, and that man helped himself out immensely this week. Uh, I thought he played really, really well. I didn't have a ton of expectations for him coming in. Uh, Eric Gal- Galco, the director of scouting for the Shrine Bowl, he joined us on the KCSN Draft Show a couple weeks ago. He said... EJ Perry is going to be one of the best task testing athletes uh, at the Shrine Bowl. And he was right. Uh, some of the it. some of the advanced uh, data that we were able to get access to as part of the wonderful Shrine Bowl experience, getting to see some of the tracking data on these players. He was one of the fastest, five fastest players at, the, at this event. Uh, but what he did with his legs uh, was not all that was exciting. His athleticism, the man threw the ball really well uh, compared to what kind of I anticipated him doing. And um, he made some really big plays at the end of the uh at the end of the shrine bowl to give uh give his team a, a chance at winning that game so he threw two touchdowns late uh and made some really impressive throws but he made some impressive throws throughout the entire week uh you know in a draft class where there's not a ton of guys to, to really get overly excited about i don't think and you know, a lot of teams are gonna have to talk themselves into some of these players for a day three prospect i really like ej perry um i don't know if he's ever gonna really profile as a guy that you're gonna expect to to take a leap that's gonna you know i don't think he's gonna have a gardener Minshew ascent but i think he can make a and carve a nice career out for himself um as an athletic you know backup quarterback i was really impressed with him uh and i think i i think he's gonna get drafted i genuinely do after getting a chance to watch him because his athleticism and what was able to do against a high level of competition um throwing the football he looked like one of the better quarterbacks out there in fact there was some buzz that he was the best quarterback out there Uh, That is going to do it for a live edition of the KC Laboratory. We'll be back later in the week. Thank you all so much uh, for supporting us this season. It sucks that we're not talking about a Super Bowl right now, uh, but we cannot tell you how grateful we are. Uh, We got some big announcements and stuff coming up down the pike, so be sure to keep an eye on everything going on on KC Sports Network here. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the Substack if you haven't already. We'd love and appreciate that. We'll catch you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.